Sarah said, it's great to welcome you all today. We give you a warm welcome. And uh, if you are visiting us today, we give you a very special welcome. And uh, for anybody who may not know who I am, my name's Jonathan, or John, I really don't mind. And again, it's one of my privilege to be one of the pastors here. And uh, it's great to, to welcome you today. Um, just to say, uh, for, I may, we may forget later on, but for those of you who've had the newswire, um, either uh, through uh, on email or you've had it in a hard copy, there are some hard copies on the pod today. Um, just to say that we have made an announcement on the newswire, and that is to say that from the 15th, um, it's the 15th, isn't it? From the 15th of July, um, for, the, for the summertime, for eight weeks, we are going to go to one service on a Sunday morning. We realise that that may be difficult but we'll see how we get on. And so we'll pack in as many chairs that we can um, for that period of time. But I had a real sense with me just, um, I don't know, probably about six or seven weeks ago, that I had a real sense with me that it'd be good for us to be together. And also to give us an opportunity to breathe for all those people who are involved in so many different ministries around here. It will give us an opportunity to breathe a little bit over that period of time. And so uh, please bear that in mind. So from the 15th of July, we will be meeting at 10.30. You may wonder why 10.30, because it's a God-ordained time. No, it's not because of that. But it's, it's in between. So for those people who come to 9.30, it's an hour later. For those who come to 11.30 service, it's an hour earlier. And so it seems to really make sense to us in that. So we just pray that that would be a great time for us as we seek to be one uh, together um, during that time. You know, Pastor Sarah said already today that um, Today is a day when people uh, right across Elim will be remembering what took place in Rhodesia, now known as Zimbabwe, 40 years ago as we lost 13 of our missionaries on the field there. And that is something that we remember today. And also some of you will be aware that it's been in the news over the past couple of days, very especially that today marks a 70th anniversary I don't know if you remember what that 70th anniversary is all about, but it's all about Windrush. What took place 70 years ago that changed the landscape of our nation forever. And I just want to show you something on the screen today. Then I'm going to make a few comments and we're going to thank God for what happened on that day. Because I believe that our country is a better country today because what it took place 70 years ago. So if you watch the screen, there'll be a short video on there. Thank you. Years ago, when that ship docked in Great Britain. And I, I've been here quite a long time. For those who don't know, I've been here, it been my 19 years this year. And when I first arrived here, um, all those years ago, I remember that we had very few people from um, Jamaica, from the Caribbean, that were part of the, the life of our church. And there was um, one of those ladies was uh, Lucille Thompson, Mrs. Thompson, an amazing, beautiful lady. And I remember going to visit her in her home and she talked to me about when she first arrived here in Britain, about what she experienced what she experienced and what her family went on to experience. Some of the good things, but many of the not so good things. I spoke um, uh, to Kathy today and I asked Kathy, when did you arrive here um, in, in Britain? She said in 1961 that she arrived here in Britain. 
And today we want to we want to celebrate the fact that all those years ago, that 70 years ago, that people arrived from the Caribbean. And we know that in recent months, there's been a whole lot of stuff in the news about the, the upheaval and, and, and the disgraceful things that have taken place. And today, in many ways, I want to apologize if that's the right thing to do on the way that many of those people were treated 70 years ago. When they arrived on our shores, that the racism that you experienced, as you experienced as family members... As a white man, as an English man today, in many ways, I feel it's right for me to say sorry for the way that you were not embraced, but in the way that you were shunned all those years ago. And I want to say that we are grateful that you're part of our nation, that you're part of our community today. We really do believe that and we mean it. If you can agree with that, can we just celebrate that fact today? Absolutely. Let's just pray. Father, on this day, Lord, as this week, Father, that people around our nation have celebrated the fact of what took place 70 years ago when fellow people from the Caribbean arrived on the shores of Great Britain. Father, we thank you for every person that took that journey. For some of them, they took that journey because, Lord, they wanted to help our nation. And Father, I pray for every single person that settled here and went on to have children in this nation and are part of our great nation today. Father, I thank you for each of them. And Father God, I pray, Lord, that you would continue to bless them. Father, I thank you for the way, Lord, that in so many of their lives, that the gospel was sown in their lives. And Lord, they're very uh, religious people, as it were. And Father, I pray, God, for all those seeds that have been sown Father, I pray, God, that they would be brought to fruition. And Father, today, God, I say, Lord, that we are sorry for the way that so often we have treated these people. For the way, Lord, they wasn't embraced all those years ago and even at times are not embraced today. But Father God, we recognize that there's only one God who is a God of all people. That you're there for all races, for all creeds, Father. And so, Father, we acknowledge you as God himself in your name. Amen. Amen. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to turn together today uh, to a great book that we've been looking at now for a good number of weeks off and on as we've had uh, different things taking place like Father's Day and guest speakers coming amongst us. But for those who are, who are new amongst us today, we are journeying through the great book of Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah that is found um, in, the, in the Old Testament. And in just a few minutes, I'm going to read to you just a, a few verses where we got up to there in Nehemiah and chapter 6. But as we've been going through the book of Nehemiah, we see how Nehemiah was a man who sought to lift off the shame and the disgrace that the Jewish remnant were facing in the time that we're reading about. And the reason why they were in a time of shame and disgrace was because the great city of Jerusalem, a place that was signifying the presence of God, the glory of God, was in a, a state of ruins because the walls of Jerusalem had been broken down. And if ever a people lived in shame and disgrace, 
and had a sense of terror about them because they were so open to the attacks of the enemy. It was the Jewish remnant that found themselves in the city of Jerusalem. The, the walls were down, the gates were down, and therefore they were vulnerable to any attack of the enemy. And yet there was a man by the name of Nehemiah who in many ways had a spirit within him that said, enough is enough. It cannot carry on this way any longer. It's not good enough that the place of glory is now known as a place of disgrace. That the people of God are living in a state of shame and terror and disgrace. And therefore there was something within Nehemiah that after a great time of prayer, a great time of fasting and a great time of mourning, that he rose up and he said, enough is enough. I'm going to do something about what I've heard and what I eventually saw. And therefore he rallied together a great number of people who sought to see the walls being rebuilt. And as we've seen already, what amazing things can be accomplished when people work together for a common good. It was amazing that all these different people with all their different talents, with all their different abilities, with all their different skills, they came together under one vision and under that one vision, they saw the walls beginning to be rebuilt in such a short time. It wasn't all plain sailing. They knew what it was for the enemies to come and bring opposition against them. That sought to intimidate them. That sought to throw insults at them and isolate them. And yet they kept on going with the task that was before them. And they did that as they were building ready and also battle ready. In one hand, they held their trowels. And in another hand, they held their swords. Because they were ready to build and they were ready to battle at the same time. And it's as they did that, that amazing things began to take place. That the walls began to be rebuilt. And the truth is that we are living in a time today where all around our nation, all around our communities, all around our cities, that people are living in this place of shame, disgrace and terror. And God has called his church, his people to rise up as a people who say enough is enough. That we cannot simply see things the way that they are. And we cannot do this on our own, but rather together we can make a difference. Together we can do something about what is going on in our world, in our society today. And we do that as we do it together. And yet we know there's an enemy who doesn't want to see terror, shame and disgrace lifted from people. And therefore the enemy will come against us. And that's why we need to be building ready and battle ready at the same time. The thing for Nehemiah was that it wasn't just the enemy from, with, from outside, but also the enemy from within. And therefore he had to come against injustice that was being done at that time by the other Jewish people. And he came right against them. And I love the way that he didn't mince his words, but rather he came against them and said in chapter 5 and verse 9, What you are doing is not right. What you're doing is not right. And yet the one thing that I really love about Nehemiah is this as well. 
That he didn't just stand against injustice. He didn't just stand against unrighteousness. But rather, he was a man who sought to live a righteous life as well. He lived for righteousness. He lived for that justice, that which was right. And therefore, it's no wonder that he could say to God in chapter 5 and verse 19, Remember me. With favour, oh my God, for all I have done for these people. And therefore, from the very beginning, we see how Nehemiah experienced the favour of God that was resting upon him. And the truth is that when we are doing what God has called us to do, as we are about the business of God, we can expect the favour of God to rest upon us. He knew favour with the king. He knew favour in order to be able to get the materials that he needed. He, needed, he, he knew what it was to have favour in order to have a safe passage. And it was because it was about God's business rather than about his own business. But the thing was that even then he still experienced opposition. Opposition that came in waves. Wave after wave of opposition came against him. And we've seen how he battled against it um, in chapter 4. And here in chapter 6, again, opposition begins to rise up against him. So you've got your Bibles, um, Nehemiah chapter 6 and verse 1. When Samballat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I'd rebuilt the wall and that no gap was left in it, though at the time I had not installed the doors in the city gate, Samballat and Geshem sent me a messenger, come, let's meet together in the villages of the Ono Valley. They were planning to harm me. So I sent messages to them saying, I'm doing important work and cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same proposal and I gave them the same reply. Sambalat sent me the same message a fifth time by his aide, who had an open letter in his hand. In it was written, it is reported among the nations and Geshem aggressed that you and the Jews plan to rebel. This is the reason you are building the wall. According to these reports, you are to become their king and have even set up the prophets in Jerusalem to proclaim on your behalf. There is a king in Judah. These rumors will be heard by the king. So come, let's confer together. Then I replied to him. There's nothing to these rumors you are spreading. You are inventing them in your own mind. For they were all trying to intimidate us saying they will drop their hands from this work and it will never be finished. But now, my God, strengthen my hands. If time allowed, I'd probably go on to read the, the whole of chapter, but you're free to do that. And we will refer to some of the other verses as we carry on. Today, here in chapter 6, we read there of how Nehemiah's enemies rose up again. They rose up again because the great task that he was undertaking, the great task that the people of God were about. And it's when Nehemiah's enemies found out that the walls had been rebuilt 
and that the only thing that was left to complete was the hanging of the doors that they sought to come against him again and again. And the reality is that sometimes when we're we're close to finishing something in God, it's when the enemy will seek to have the final throw of the dice. When it's like where the, the completion of, of work of God being done in our family's life, it's almost like the enemy stands up and says, I'll show you. And he seeks to throw the final dice. He seeks to come against us. And that is what Nehemiah and the people of God is, are facing here. And it came like an incredible wave against them. And very often that is the same, it's true for us. Yes, we are walking in the favour of God because we're doing the plans and the purpose of God. We're seeking to be and do what God has called us to do and what God has called us to be. And yet the waves of the attack come from the enemy. And the reason why he seeks to do that is because if he can't stop us, he will seek to restrain us. He will seek to restrict us. And so often the enemy cannot stop the plans and the purpose of God being fulfilled in and through our lives. But what he can do is he can seek to restrict us. He can seek to restrain us. And that is what the enemy wants to do for each and every single one of us. What he wants to do for us corporately together. He wants to restrict us and he wants to restrain us. He wants to keep us where we are rather than keep on moving forward. That is true in our own personal relationship with God. It's true in what God wants to accomplish in and through our lives as individuals, but also corporately. If the enemy can keep us where we are, church, right now, he's really happy. But God wants us to keep on moving forward. He wants us not to be restricted or not to be restrained, but rather released into all that God has for our lives. And the enemy comes and he seeks to distract us. He seeks to divert us. He seeks to discourage us. And in the verses that we have before us, we see how Sambalat and Tobiah and Geshem, they came to distract and to divert Nehemiah. We see that in them doing that in verse 2 where it says there, Then Sambalat and Geshem sent me a message, come Let's meet together in the villages of the Ono Valley. Let us come and let us meet together in the villages of the Ono Valley. In many ways, it may wonder why did Nehemiah respond in the way that he did? Why did he do that? And he did it because he had some godly discernment. He knew that it wasn't a good thing to leave what he was doing in order to go and have a meeting. It wasn't good to move away from the the task of building the walls to go and have a meeting with these enemies. Because all they were seeking to do was to distract and divert him from his God-given task. And what discernment Nehemiah had, because it says there in that same verse at the end of it, they were planning to harm me. Nehemiah knew that what was in their heart wasn't good for him, wasn't good for the walls of Jerusalem, for the the Jewish remnant, but rather it was bad because they were about to harm him rather than do him good. 
And therefore he says to them in verse 3, why should the work cease while I leave it to, to go down to you? And the reason he did that was because of discernment that had been given to him by God. And I want to say today, we need discernment. We need to know at times when something is a distraction to us. When something is seeking to divert us away from what God has called us to do. And sometimes on the surface, it may seem absolutely fine. I mean, why shouldn't Nehemiah go and speak to these two guys? In the natural, you may think it should have been something they should have done. But he knew what it was to know godly discernment. And therefore, he said to them, I am not coming down. I'm doing an important work and cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? But you know, the enemy so often is persistent. So often the enemy won't just come once, but he'll come again. And sometimes with us, it may not come with one voice. He'll come with another voice. He'll try another voice, as it were. And therefore, the enemies come to him, not once, but they come to him four times and ask him the same thing. Come down and have a meeting with us. And yet for Nehemiah, he wouldn't allow himself to be distracted or diverted. And therefore, he kept on giving them the same answer. I want to say, church, that sometimes we just got to keep on giving the enemy the same answer. No, I'm not going to do this. And the enemy will come and we say it once. No, I'm not going to do this. No, it's not going to be part of my life. And yet the enemy will come time and time and time again. But we need to take our stand. And for Nehemiah, he took his stand and said, I am not going to allow myself to be distracted. I'm not going to allow myself to be diverted by what you're saying to me right now. It may seem good. It may seem proper. It may seem right and true for me to have a conversation with you. But I see beyond what you're saying to me. And I know that you want to bring about harm to me. And you want to stop the work of God. And sometimes we need to be strong. Sometimes we need to have some strength that comes from revelation that comes from God and say, no, this is a distraction to me. This is a diversion to me. It is a distraction from my walk with God. It's a diversion from what God has called me to do right now. And therefore, I cannot do it. It may be okay for you to do it, but it's not okay for me to do it. Because sometimes people say, well, everybody else is doing it, so it must be okay. No, no, no. Sometimes it may be okay for everybody else, but it doesn't mean it's okay for you because God has given you a particular track, a particular walk to walk on. And for Nehemiah, though, the enemies kept on coming. And therefore, not only did they seek to distract and divert him by trying to get him to have a meeting, but they also came to discourage him. And the reality is for all of us that diversions and distractions can really pull us off course. But also discouragement can come. And the reality is that we all face discouragements at times. We all face diversions. We all face distractions. And here the, the enemies were seeking to discourage him. And they do that by bringing him the same message a fifth time. 
So four times they brought him the same message. And now the fifth time they come again with the same message. But now it's a little bit different because they have an open letter. An open letter in those days would be unusual. Because normally it would be a sealed letter that would only be opened by the person that it was to be delivered to. And yet this was an open letter. And the open letter would have been a letter that anybody would have been able to see as it were. And in it was written these words. It is reported among the nations, verse 6 and Geshem, Agress, that you and the Jews plan to rebel. This is the reason you are building the wall according to these reports. You are to become their king. And even set up the prophets in Jerusalem to proclaim on your behalf there is a king in Judah. These rumours will be heard by the king. So come, let's confer together. They tried four times to simply invite him to a meeting and he wouldn't come. And therefore on this fifth time they invite him to a meeting. But also try to put some weight to it by saying, listen, we know what you're about. In many ways they were simply saying to Nehemiah, you're only about your own glory. You're only about your own fame. You're only about your selfish ways, as it were, in order to promote yourself to be king, in order that the prophets would be put in place. But at the end of the day, Nehemiah knew there was no truth in what they were saying. And sometimes, again, the enemy will seek to come and bring lies against us would seek to speak lies into the lives of other people and say, the only reason they're doing this is because they're about their own gain. The only reason they're doing this is because they're only about their own glory. It's not about the glory of God. It's about the glory of man. And therefore the enemy comes and speaks those kind of lies against us. But you know, again, I love how Nehemiah responds. To the, way, the things that were brought against him. He does it in such a, an incredible and such an amazing way. In verse 8 he simply replies to them. There's nothing to these rumours you are spreading. You are, are inventing them in your own mind. He was saying there's no truth in it. You are literally just making it up in your own mind. I'm not about my own glory. I'm not on about me promoting myself to become king or anything else. It's all about the people of God. It's all about the glory of God. It's all about the glory of God coming back to Jerusalem again when the walls are rebuilt and the gates are put in their place. I love the way that he did that. And we need to be people who are confident in what God has called us to do. And therefore, when the enemy comes to distract us, to divert us, and seeks to discourage us by, by bringing other voices into the arena at times. And believe me, folks, other voices will come. They will come. They will come. I'm not being a prophet of doom and gloom today. I'm a prophet of reality. They will come. But when they come, 
We need to recognize and we need to know them for what they are and say, actually, those lies are not so much from you, but rather they are from the father of lies, the enemy himself, who right now wants to bring me down, who wants to discourage me, who wants to stop me in my tracks. But actually, I'm not going to have any of it, but rather I'm going to keep on doing what God has called me to do, to have that kind of spirit. And that was the spirit of Nehemiah, that he had that kind of spirit that says, I will not do that. I will not move out in that way. He simply says in the second part of verse 9, all they're trying to do is intimidate us by saying they will drop their hands from the work and it will never be finished. But then he says this, but now my God, strengthen my hands. But now my God, Strengthen my hands in the midst of this wave right now, in the midst of all this attack that's going on. God, I realize that I'm in attack right now. I realize that I'm in a battle, Nehemiah says. But God, I don't want to drop my hands. I don't want the hands of those people that are working alongside me to give in. But I say, God, strengthen my hands. And God strengthened the hands of Nehemiah in such an incredible, such an amazing way. He strengthened the hands of those people that were working alongside him. If you go on in the chapter, time doesn't allow it to go on today. But if you go on to the chapter, it's almost like one of, the, one of them says, come and let's run and hide. But Nehemiah says, I'm not going to run and I'm not going to hide because I've got a task to do. I don't want to say to some people today, this is not a time to run and hide. This is not a time to drop what God has called you to do. But rather, this is a time to stand up and say, this is what God has called me to do. And right now, the reason why I'm under so much attack, the reason why I'm under so much insult right now, the reason why the enemy is seeking to distract me and to divert me, the reason why the enemy is seeking to discourage me because I know that I'm about to accomplish something great and something mighty for God Almighty. So enemy, get off. Get off because I'm going to take my stand. I'm going to take my stand. And when I've done all to stand, I am going to keep on standing in order that the glory of God would be seen and that the presence of God would be manifested in such a wonderful way. You know, the end result, as team comes back today, it says there in, in verse 15, the wall was completed in 52 days, 52 days. For about 150 years, the walls of Jerusalem had been laid in ruins. The gates had been off. And yet in 52 days, the walls we're completed. Wow. It's amazing what can happen when God strengthens your arm. It's amazing what can happen when people work together. It's amazing what can happen when we are a people who say, enemy, you can bring your waves. You can seek to do whatever you can. You can seek to intimidate us. You can seek to, to isolate us. You can seek to throw all kinds of insults against us. You can try to distract us and to divert us and discourage us. But God, we're about something here right now. 
We're about your glory, about your fame. We're about working and moving on in the plans and the purposes of God that we're not going to stop. We're not going to give in. We're not going to give up. And I love what it goes on to say. Because this is what happens in, in verse 16. When all of our enemies heard this, all the surrounding nations were intimidated. Intimidated. What they tried to do to Nehemiah and the people of God, they sought to intimidate them. But when the walls of Jerusalem were rebuilt, when eventually the gates were in their place, as the report went out across the nations, the city of Jerusalem, the walls are no longer down, but they've been rebuilt. <gasps> they were intimidated by that truth. They were intimidated by that fact. And it says they lost their confidence. For they realized that this task had been accomplished by our God. Yes, Nehemiah had played his part, incredible part. The people of God had played their part as they brought all their skills and their abilities to the table as it were. But actually it was the help of God. And the enemies realized that if God was on the side of these people, they were in trouble. And it caused them to lose their confidence. May God help us to keep on going today. May God help us to keep on building for his glory, for his fame. That the kingdom of God would be extended and would be established in in such a beautiful way in and through our lives. And I'm sure today there's people right now and you know that you've started to get distracted. You know today that you've started to be diverted by all manner of things. And there's discouragement that's come to your life today. But I believe that God would just simply say in these moments, stand firm. Stand firm. You said no once, say it again. You said no, I'm not going to go there once, say it again. I'm not going to have that and say it again. Because the enemy will come in different ways, at different times, with different waves. But if you'll keep on, if I will keep on, if we will keep on doing what God has called us to do right now, we'll see something of the glory of God being displayed in and through our lives. So don't give in. Don't give up today. But keep on going. Let's stand together in God's presence.